Hello and welcome to Mavs Daily, where every day of the week we're breaking down a question, event, news, or trend having to do with the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Bobby Carella. I'm from Mavs Digital. Joining me today on this somber occasion is one of the brilliant minds over at Mavs.com. He is the great Dwayne Price. Dwayne, how are you doing, man? Oh, Bobby, I want to cry, man. I want to cry. <laughs> JJ Farrell, he's not here anymore. I don't know what to do. Oh, man. Yeah, it was an emotional day. It was an emotional day. So the Mavs have requested ra- waivers on J.J. Beret. He's a guy who is number five all-time in games played for the Mavs. He's top ten in three-pointers made. He's top ten in assists. Obviously was a, a starter, a surprise starter on the Mavs 2011 championship team. Uh, the last remaining player who's on an NBA roster or who was on an NBA roster that was on that team. And so in many ways, this is kind of turning a new leaf for the franchise, both in terms of, you know, a historical uh, context and then also just in terms of age. J.J. was the oldest guy in the locker room and now they they get they got a lot younger. So there's a whole lot to get to. And, uh, you know, we'll, tr- we'll try and touch on as much of it as we can today. But Dwayne, just first off, I mean. I know just from talking to you over the years, and you know from talking to me, J.J. is one of both of our favorite players, like, ever in the NBA. And so it's an emotional day for us. But just generally, I mean, what do you think about J.J. and what he's meant to the Mavs, to this franchise, and then also to yourself as as a writer following the team? I mean, he's a a class act all the way around. Undrafted in 2006 out of Northeastern University. And uh, a guy that's, you know, they say five foot ten, but you know, I, of course, I've stood up against beside JJ many times. He, he's five foot eight, you know, five <laughs> foot ten, you know, and he's a big heart. I mean, the the guy just classy. Any adjective, great adjective you want to use when you're describing JJ Burrell, it fits. I mean, this guy just unbelievable. I, you know. You feel like when you have a conversation with JJ, when that conversation is over, you become a better person because he gave you five minutes or you, he gave you 10 minutes. I mean, that's just how good of a person he is. You know how something you, you talk to some people and they just make you feel bad. You don't want to talk to them. JJ makes you feel just great all over. You just want to continue talking to him over and over again as many times as you can. And, uh, and it's too bad that more people are not like him, not only in the NBA, but in the world at large, because he's just a, a classy, classy person. And, and that is the kind of those are the kinds of qualities that you have to have if you want to make it in the NBA, especially Dwayne as an undrafted guy. So you were covering the Mavs back in the day whenever JJ was a rookie. And, you know, it, it may have been different then than it is now because at that point you know the Mavs are trying to win championships like they weren't these last few years around here there have been a lot of guys who were taken in the second round or were undrafted signed to 10 days you know because the Mavs are kind of going through this rebuilding phase but JJ's rookie season that was the year they won 67 games I mean like he's it wasn't like a charity thing for him to earn a roster spot and so you know, being a good person, being a hard worker, having a big heart and stuff, that's what helped him make the NBA to begin with, let alone stick around. And so what I, what I want to hear from you is, I mean, what were you like his rookie season, that training camp with Avery Johnson and, and him making the roster? I mean, talk me through that, what it was like to cover the team back then, this little guy who came out of nowhere all of a sudden is on the roster for a team that's trying to win a title. Yeah, I remember when they sent them down to the, uh, to the G League. 
Was it called a D League then? It, had so it was a D League back then. Yeah, the Fort Worth Flyers. Well, yeah, the Fort Worth team. And uh, and I always say when they send guys down there, you know when guys don't belong there when they just go down there and just tear it up. And JJ like back to back game like thirty eight forty some points and stuff like that. It's like, hey dude, get me out of here. I belong. <laughs> I, I belong in the NBA. Who are these scrubs down here? You got me playing with. So he just go down there and just dominate. But he was a guy that was always just well loved by all by all his teammates, even though, like you said, he was undrafted. And you know, most most of the guys didn't know, you know who is this guy because when you're undrafted, they really don't know who you are. Especially when you play, you know, nothing against Northeastern, but you know how they are. It's not a Power Five or a basketball conference that they come from. So when you got a guy like that, and he's five foot eight or five foot nine or whatever he is, and he makes the team on a team that. You know, started out 0 and 4 that year, and then they won 67 out of their next uh, was it 71 games, 78 yeah. games, something like that. And it's like, and he was a, a critical factor on that team. And then, of course, you know what happened in 2011 uh, when the Mavs were down 2-1 to Miami in the NBA Finals, and Rick Carlisle said, "I think I'm gonna start JJ Barrera instead of Deshaun Stevenson at point guard, so they can get some firepower right out of the gate." And they won those last three games. He went three and zero as a starter in the finals against one of the greatest NBA teams ever assembled in the LeBron James and Dwayne Wade and uh, Chris Bosh. So uh, JJ earned his stripes. He went out there and he took it. No- nothing was given to him. I mean, like I said, he's a little man. He's not. He, he, you know, when you when you walk past him, if you just saw him in the shopping mall on the streets, there's absolutely no way you think this guy. That is any kind of athlete, let alone in the NBA, you know, but he was a giant in the NBA for the Dallas Mavericks, and he's going to be sorely missed. Yeah, and just to catch everybody up to speed, if you haven't seen the press conferences yet or heard any of the quotes coming from J.J. Barea, from uh, Ray Carlisle, from Donnie Nelson, they all spoke yesterday after Mavs practice. All of those videos can be found on the Mavs YouTube channel, and so you can watch them all for yourself, but... Suffice it to say, it was a very emotional day all around. Uh, I mean, Donnie Nelson got choked up. JJ cried a little bit. Uh, I may or may not have cried, Dwayne. Uh, <laughs> I, I may or may not have welled up a little bit. And and Rick Carlisle was very somber too. You know, he Rick's not a guy who shows a lot of emotion, but you know, he's very sad too because if you think about it, I mean, he's been here since 2008, and now JJ did go to Minnesota for a few years in the middle of his tenure, but. JJ was here when Rick got here, and JJ was here until you know yesterday. And and he's one of the guys who has played for Rick longer than any other player, except for Dirk, in his entire career. And just so all around, at every level of the organization, guys are feeling kind of his absence, and that includes in the locker room too, where in many ways he was sort of like a, a player coach almost last year. You know, he didn't get a lot of minutes, but he was able to communicate Rick's message in a different way, and just. I, I don't know. I mean, he just really endeared himself to everybody, everybody in the entire Mavericks franchise. And, and the sad part about J.J. is when he got hurt, uh, not this past season, but season before last, up in, uh, I was up there with the Mavs at the game in Minnesota. He actually, before he got hurt, he was really running that second unit and running it very, very well. And I felt bad for him when he came back and he wanted to play. He just didn't get the minutes uh, last year. And you could tell that the Mavs were about to to move on from him, you know, wanting to get a little bit younger. And J.J. was fighting it, and he's still fighting it. And I understand, you know, it's, you, it, this is a game you played your whole life, 
No, you want to continue playing until you say you can't play no 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 more. Not somebody else say you can't play anymore. Uh, and he's still going to play. Somebody's going to pick him up. I promise you. I I wouldn't be shocked if one of the LA teams pick him up. Uh, 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 Boston, one of those teams that are close to winning the NBA title. It wouldn't shock me at all if he, if he gets a call sometime uh, early next week. Yeah, of course he played college basketball at Northeastern, which is in Boston. And then uh, he spent some high school years in Miami. And, uh, you know, the Heat are trying to win a championship, too. And so uh, strategically all around the country, these these really good teams are probably contacting him. And he said it himself that he, he was getting texts from players around the league this morning, just seeing seeing where his head is at. And I, I agree with you. He will definitely catch on to a roster somewhere else before ultimately coming back here to coach, whether that's next year or the year after. Uh, but in the meantime, we'll be rooting on J.J., but we'll be rooting against whatever team he goes to. <laughs> uh, all right, so with the rest of our time today, Dwayne, I just want to, like, I want to trade off telling J.J. stories. So yeah. just any, I don't know, any J.J. memories that you have, any J.J. moments or, or favorite games or anything like that, and I'll let you think for a little bit. I'll go first. Just the the classic J.J. Devin Harris backcourt and the, the backdoor cuts that they were pulling off and – the two-guard lineup playing with, like, Yogi Ferrell out there and Dirk and Dwight Powell, and they had Doug McDermott in there. And, like, that team, that 2017-18 roster, they finished 24-58. and 58. They finished 24th in the NBA in offense. They were really, really bad that year, Dwayne. But that lineup, J.J. and Devin Harris and Yogi and Dirk and Dwight, they were so good that the Mavs traded Devin Harris away to Denver and kind of, like, rolled back JJ's minutes a little bit because they were like hurting the team because they were helping them win. <laughs> like Dallas <laughs> wanted to get Luca. And so like JJ was playing almost too many minutes. They were beating teams down too badly. And so they had to make an adjustment. I just think it's really just crazy that like that trio, you know, that Dirk, Devin and JJ trio, they were all like 34, 35 years old. Dirk was 40 by then, and they were just destroying these young pups coming off the bench for other teams. I mean, how many times did they hit him with the back door and a coach immediately calls timeout and just cusses out his players? I mean, it was just a pleasure to watch those guys work. And it is kind of sad now, too, that you wake up and all three of them are gone, you know. I don't know if Devin ever officially retired. I know Dirk did, but Devin, you know, didn't play last year. He's still not on the roster this year. And, you know, JJ now, I mean, it's just, a, it's, it's just kind of sad, but that's, that's kind of the, the, the main JJ memory I have is just him just smoking backups and leaving opposing fan bases being like, who the heck is this guy? And why is he beating our brains in? Yeah. And yesterday, Carlisle mentioned that it was one game that uh, uh, J.J. And, and Devin Harris executed four back backdoor plays on one team. And he didn't mention that team, but I remember that game, too. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute, are, are these guys not paying attention? <laughs> I'm sure their practice the next day probably sucked so bad. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I have uh, plenty of fond memories of uh, J.J., it's almost like we're talking like he's dead or something. <laughs> oh, he's still alive and well. Believe, his life is better than ours, Dwayne. That's <laughs> exactly. But he used to always mess with me about my clothes I had on. Every time I him and Dirk were the main ones that got on me about my my suits and my shoes and all that all the time. <laughs> and JJ knows a thing or two about style. He usually dresses pretty casually, but I mean – his wife being a, a Miss Puerto Rico, I mean, like, J.J. knows J.J. knows how to dress. Yeah. 
I, I told him one time, I said, J.J., if you want to borrow this suit, man, you know, have at it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, on, I'm only 6'6", you know, I don't know if it's going to fit you or not, but, <laughs> but, you can, but you can borrow it. Just send it to the cleaners when you get through with it. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, that, that, that were, there were many moments. I mean, it's just that, because when, when he walked into a building, you know, even though, like I said, he, he's small in stature, he commands so much respect because you know, if you've seen him playing like we had, we knew this guy's going to bring it. And if you looking at him and, and, and judging him just based on his size, oh, you already beat. Now, he got you right now. If that's what you're thinking. I mean, he just, he knew how to do that, that. Bob dunked to Dwight Powell so many times. It's like, wow, they, they can't stop it, you know. And even back there with, with Tyson with Tyson Chandler and all that, I mean, and we just so, so many fun memories. It's like, man, I could write a book on this dude. Oh. That was something that Rick brought up that I thought was, like, really notable, and I want to I wanna get your take on it. Uh, he said that, you know, because JJ had such a good career and such a long career and was a really like a respected and successful player, that that will make his transition to coaching whenever he does decide to do that a lot easier because he'll just immediately like command respect right. from the locker room. And if you think about it, like there are a lot of coaches and assistant coaches in the NBA that played, but not many of them, like more of them, I would say, are guys like Rick, you know, who played in the NBA for a few years, but were kind of like journeymen. You know, I mean, like Doc Rivers was a really good player. And there are some other coaches that were really good that won championships and stuff like Jason Kidd is an example. But a lot of guys who become head coaches were like kind of like marginal NBA players. But with J.J. being such a high level player, winning a championship, you know, as a starter, uh, playing a long time. Like, do you think that that will make him, I don't know, give him like an advantage over your average rookie assistant or head coach whenever he does make that move? Well, well, especially right away because if he just leaves the game, then he's already been involved with the game and then been involved with all those young guys as opposed to guys that, you know, they retire one year and then they, they may not become a head coach until seven, eight years later. You know, maybe they not, maybe they cannot relate to the players. Well, he can relate to young guys like Luca, who was 21 years old, and he, he can relate to the older, older veterans also, and he communicates very well. So I, I think he's going to be a, a great success now. Granted, I don't know if he's going to be a head coach right out of the gate because that, that's kind of hard to do. I mean, how many of them did that? I mean, did Jason Kidd, Jason Kidd, did he do it right yeah, away? Yeah, Jason Kidd did that. Steve Nash is doing that now in Brooklyn. I mean, we'll see how it goes. But, but of Steve course, Nash Kidd's first head coaching job kind of ended on a sour note in uh, in Milwaukee. Yeah, but Kidd, or, I mean. He started in Nash Brooklyn first. I don't remember. I'm talking about Nash was out of the league for a while before he became a head coach. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Nash doesn't play in a while. Right, right, right. So I'm just thinking the guy that came straight from the league and became a head coach the next oh, year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I guess Jay Kidd is probably the best example. He, he was a couple years out, right? Did yeah. he start in Brooklyn or did he start in Milwaukee? No, he's with the Nets. That's right. Yeah. And uh, then he went to Milwaukee. Yeah. Uh, uh, and uh, he, he's part of that crew that helped uh, mold uh, the Greek Creek. In, mm -hmm. And all that. He'll get a head coaching job, I think, within the next two or three years. Jay Kidd, I'm talking about. But, uh, but, uh, but I think JJ, you know, you know, if he comes back here, you know, of course he's not going to be the head coach. Those Carlisle's going to be the head coach. So I think he'll come here, and who knows? Within two years or two or three years after that, depending on what's going on in the league, 
you know, he may get a head coaching job. But I don't know of any, uh, you're going to have to help me out here, any uh, uh, Hispanic coaches in the league right now? I guess we do have a few. I mean, Caleb Canales, um, you know, he was interim head coach for Portland. Of course, he spent some years in Dallas. Um, but guy, I'm not sure. I know it's a kind of a really underrepresented group. It's a guy in Phoenix that coached Luca on the international team. I know he's not there now. Oh, uh, he was he was um, he was like Serbian or uh, Igor Kokoshkov. I think he was Serbian. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So JJ, and, and it would be good for the league. I mean, because the NBA is a is a global game. So you know, so have so have somebody like JJ Barrera, you know, who's, you know, obviously internationally and well known. Well, that would be great for the NBA. I mean, when we all know what he did. You know, when they had Hurricane Maria hit hit his uh, native homeland of Puerto Rico, the way he uh, got with Mark Cuban and, and got the Mavericks plane down there and brought all those supplies down there and all those people back. I mean, it was just, it just it tugs at your heartstrings and it just make you want to cry because when you see guys doing so many great things when they don't have to do them, yeah, it's great to do it and it's always you know and got but a lot of times when it's great to do things, guys just don't do it. But he was he was all in, and uh, he's always been all in, you know, on things like that. And and I'm happy for whatever comes his way and whatever he does. I guarantee you, he's gonna be a success. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't even like it, you know, it was more than just heartwarming. I mean, he like saved lives mm-hmm. with what he did in Puerto Rico, delivering all these supplies and power generators, and then bringing people back who were right. in need of medical attention, like severe medical attention, and couldn't get it because. Hospitals were either, you know, overwhelmed or like underwater, you know, and so what he did in Puerto Rico was just incredible. And and he did, uh, you know, in addition to all the lives he touched and saved, he also got the the J. Walter Kennedy uh, Citizenship Award um, for the 2017-18 season. He's the only Maverick ever to win that award. Um, but uh, yeah, there, there's just such like a, he has such a like a level of pride. With being from Puerto Rico, there's only eight players, I think, that have ever uh, played in the NBA who come from Puerto Rico. Uh, another one of them, John Clavel, played for the Mavs uh, for a little bit. But uh, J.J. has just such a such a pride for, for being from there and then also for representing the national team. Um, and one of my like favorite memories, I guess, with him was whenever we went to Boston one year. So this was, I want to say, during the 17-18 season because it was right in the wake of that hurricane. Um, we were in Boston, had a, the night off because the, the game was the next day and JJ did a fundraiser at Northeastern. Uh, you might've been there, Dwayne, I don't remember, but, uh, he had a fundraiser that night. And so whoever went to the game, you know, it was like, I think it was during their winter break. And so it wasn't like a packed house or anything, but whoever went, if you donated any amount of money, you got a shirt. It said pause for Puerto Rico, you know, it's a fundraiser. All the money went to, uh, JJ's foundation for hurricane relief. Um, and then after the game, he took us. There was like some people from the staff, like Casey Smith was there, you know, no, no other players or anything, but just like support staff. And then me and a couple of the writers, uh, we all went and JJ took us on a tour of campus after the game and just like showed us his first dorm building, took us to the, the campus bar that he hung out with. The bartender is uh, the guy who owns the bar is still there. Uh, At a bar on campus? College. Yeah, like, I mean, 20 years ago. And, and he's he's been running that bar for like 50, 60 years. Like, it's an institution. <laughs> and he remembered JJ. Like, as soon as we walked in, he knew. It, like, it was just, it was so cool. And, uh, you know, it just showed us around. And Northeastern's just a little humble little college right in the middle of Boston. I mean, it's great. It's a great campus. But it's not the, you know, the first 
college you think of, if you're thinking of big time college basketball, you know, you can maybe fit one or 2000 people in their gym, but that's where JJ's roots kind of began in, uh, in, in the collegiate ranks. So it was just really cool to go there with him and just to see like how proud he was of kind of where he came from and how much fun he had showing all of us where he went to school. He had a bar on campus. I went to the wrong college. <laughs> well, it might not have been on campus. It might have been across the street, but it was definitely close. That's for sure. Because we I walked went, there. Yeah. Uh, uh, to your point, in the summer of uh, 2018, I was in. Uh, went to my first uh, uh, pro pro basketball Hall of Fame induction in uh, in uh, Springfield, Massachusetts. And during that weekend. Uh, JJ put on some uh, like a clinic or something. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was huge because it probably was about 500 people there. And JJ's parents were there. Rick Carlisle came by and all that and, and spoke to the crowd and all that. And, and then you just found out how big JJ was in that area uh, of the uh, of the uh, United States. And it was just it was just great to, to see all that. And that was my first time meeting his parents and and. And they were just so, so, so nice. And you could tell they were so proud of that son and all the things that he has achieved uh, in his uh, NBA career. So what does it mean, Dwayne? What does it mean going without JJ now from a team standpoint, talking about like he's the he's got the charisma, he's got the leadership, he's got the, the charm, he's got the respect, like all of these things. He's, he'll take random people around his campus. He'll put on clinics for kids like <laughs> – He's just like the ultimate citizen, you know, like just the, the ultimate teammate kind of guy. And now you have this team in the Mavs that are trying to make a playoff run, like in, in many ways, kind of at a similar stage as they were whenever JJ came into the league. Yeah. Um, it's a much younger roster now. You know, they, they only have one or two guys who are over 30 on this team. Uh, losing that leader in JJ we heard Rick talk about it and JJ talked about it. I mean, people have to step up and kind of fill that void. And so what do you think about, you know, JJ immediately said Dwight Powell, Rick said Dwight, but he also mentioned Luca first. Uh, how do you step up and who steps up to kind of replace that, that sort of leadership void left by JJ's departure? And I was hoping before I get to that, I was hoping the Miles would do like Miami is doing with Udonis Haslam. He doesn't play, but he's such a, a, a tremendous locker room guy. They just, they just, Save a roster spot just for him. I'm not, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't even know how many minutes he played at all last season. You He's know? played like 15 games in the last like four years or something. Like it's it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was hoping that, but but I understand. I mean, you know, life goes on and and you know players come and go and teams have to you know keep doing what's right for the organization. But who's going to fill that void? Well, you know, it has to be Luca. I mean, Luca's even though he's only 21 years old. I mean, he he's the superstar. He's the uh, the, the next LeBron James or the next uh, Michael Jordan on his team. So, granted, he has to be the leader, and he's shown leadership skills because you and I both know inside the bubble, you know, the Mavs was one of the teams that were doing a lot of stuff together, and Luca was one of the ones that was arranging all that thing, all those things that they were doing together. Just twenty-one year old kid, you know, and they would say, "Yeah, let's do this, Luca." So, yeah, he he could be the guy. I mean. Just because you're the youngest guy on the team, that doesn't mean you you can't be the leader of the team. Yes, you can, especially if you're the best player on the team. So yeah, I think he's going to be Luca. Mm -hmm. And and we've we've talked about Dwight before. I mean, that's a guy who's like he could be the next president of the players 
uh, union. I mean, he could be, he could run for president of the universe. I mean, and he would get my vote. Like he's, he's a world-class human. So I think they're in good hands from, with Dwight from an experience standpoint. And then also with a tenure standpoint, because now Dwight Powell is your longest tenured Mav. And if you want your, your mind to be blown, Dwayne, I'm pretty sure that Luca is the third longest. I think that it's Dwight, it's Maxi Kleba, and then it's Luca. I'm no, pretty sure. No, it's got to be Dorian. Smith. Oh yeah, Dorian. Okay, okay, yeah. yeah. So okay, so Dwight, Dorian, Maxi, mm-hmm. and then Luca, and then Jalen Brunson, like an hour after Luca. So I mean, it's like it's a really, really young team. Um, so that's that's pretty interesting. Dorian now is all of a sudden one of the one of the oldest guys on the team. <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like a dinosaur, Dwayne. I feel like a dinosaur. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I mean those guys. And then also, uh, somewhat it might have been Rick. Rick mentioned Brunson. And I thought that was interesting because I, I was looking through my old uh, J.J. Barea tweets over on Twitter.com. And one thing I said is that Jalen Brunson is the Gen Z version of J.J. Barea. And I could, like, definitely see Brunson, like, 15 years from now, Brunson, like, hangs up the the sneakers or whatever. And we're talking about him the same exact way that we're talking about J.J. right now on whatever equivalent of podcast exists, like, in 2040. Yeah. Uh, because JJ or Jalen is really kind of that same build. I mean, he he was like a blue chip prospect and won at a really high level in college and everything, and was drafted. He wasn't undrafted, but kind of the same thing. Great character guy, spark plug right. off the bench. You know, I, fans love him and, and and teammates respect the heck out of him too. So that's kind of like feels like they're gonna have like a leadership by committee kind of thing going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't have a problem with that. I mean, because for the most part, a lot of times. Who cares who the leader on the team? You just want to go out there and win games. I mean, yeah, you're going to have guys with different voices in the locker room and, and, and saying whatever's on their mind, and that's okay as long as whatever they're saying is something positive and, and, going to get, and, and it's going to get the team from one level to the next level. It's okay. It doesn't have to be that guy. It could be that guy, that guy, that guy, and that guy, you know, because they're, they're all trying to reach one common goal anyway. So I'm cool with that if it's more than one guy that's the leader of the team. Yeah. All right, so that's a lot. That's a lot of JJ talk, man. Uh, I'm sure we'll we'll reconvene at some point if if once he comes back to the organization, and hopefully it's for him for his sake. Hopefully it's at least in one year from now, if not longer, uh, so he can he can kind of finish out on his own terms. But in the meantime, the Mavs have a preseason game tomorrow. Oh my God! Like it's <laughs> it's happening, Dwayne. Ready or not, we're we're playing basketball. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. The team's not practicing today, and so like. You know, they've only had like a week or so of real five on five. And so I have no idea what to expect from this game tomorrow. And so what what do you think like what do you think is gonna happen? <laughs> what 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 is what is going on? They only had six six days of uh one on one practice. I mean, yeah, five on five practice. Uh, and I don't know. I think he's just gonna throw stuff out there and see what sticks. You know? <laughs> I mean, you're going against Milwaukee, who's one of the top teams in the league, and uh, actually gonna play them twice. Play them uh, uh, tomorrow and then play them again on uh, Monday. That's that's a good thing. And I like the league doing that, you know, in situations like this. Keep just keep the team and just go ahead and play teams twice and all that. Cuts down on the travel and all that. And, you know, we all know you got to be extra safe with the uh, uh, COVID nineteen out there and all that. So so I, I'm cool with that. But I, I want to see uh, I want to see uh, uh, what they're going to get out of uh, Josh Green. I mean, you know, when you got these young guys coming in and all that. And they first round draft picks. I I want to see right away what they can do. Throw them out there. I mean, because I because I think that's what it's for. You know, you don't 
yeah, granted, you're going to have to use some of the regular season trying to figure out what they can do, but you definitely want to use it in the preseason when, you know, the game don't really count, so to speak. So so I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do. James Johnson, you know, I understand that he, he was injured, but I, I'm, sure, I'm not sure if he's ready to play yet or not. Have you heard on that? Uh, Rick was like that he he was able to get back on the floor and do some stuff. I think he he took part in like all the contact stuff that they did. So hopefully he'll be good to go too because he's one of the guys on this team in addition to like Willie and Jalen and some other guys that did not play in the bubble at all. So it's been a really long time since they've been on the floor. All right, right. I want to see what Willie Collie Steins can do. He only got in thirteen games last year after the trade, you know. And and he's go- they they really gonna need him especially with uh, uh Chris Stapps not gonna be available to play until uh, sometime in January, so they're gonna they're gonna have to get uh, you're gonna have to get some play out off the in- off the inside you know they need to rebound and then they put this uh, major emphasis on defense. My question is and I hadn't got a chance to ask Rick that yet is this emphasis on defense is that gonna affect the offense at in in, in any way. You know, but but I, you know what? Having said that, if it does, I don't mind as long as you win games. Because I would tell people this all the time: the, the great Chicago teams with Michael Jordan. What I liked about those teams the most is the fact that when their shots were not falling, all they did was roll up their sleeves and play defense. They say, "Okay, tonight ain't nobody gonna score," and they could do that. They could win games with that defense and win games with that offense. And I would like to the Mavericks to get to that point when they could win games with that defense. Because you and I both know, in a tight game, in a five-point game with two or three minutes to go, you got to get some stops. So if you can get some stops, you can win games that you normally would not win because you know how to get stops. So if they can get to that level, I'm cool with it. Yeah, and what was one of the things last year that Rick just kept bringing up all the time is that feels like if they have an off-shooting night, they let it affect the defense, like, negatively, you mm-hmm. know? So that's why getting Josh Richardson, James Johnson, so many of these guys, Josh Green, like, getting more energy, getting more length, more athleticism, more attitude in here is good because you want as many guys as possible who that won't be the case for. Like, right. you're 0 for 4, so what? Like, bear down and get a stop, you know? Mm-hmm. Don't don't carry what happened on one end of the floor to the other, you know? And don't don't let it affect you. So I, I think that's a really important point that you brought up, too, and hopefully it pays dividends. But we'll see. I mean, they could play great defense against Milwaukee and give up 150 points because Milwaukee's just that good. <laughs> so we'll see how it goes. But uh, hopefully the Mavs get off to a one Dwayne, right. and uh, we can go into Monday with a big smile on our face. Um, any, any other things you want to say uh, before we wrap things up? Well, I hope uh, – I hope, and, and I, don't think, I don't think to my knowledge uh, no one has made a – an announcement on this that fans, some kind of percentage of fans would be allowed in the stands. I mean, you know, I know the NFL does it. Some teams do it, not all teams. But, you know, I know that, I mean, I don't know how they decide on which teams and which city is going to do it and all that. I just, you know, from a fan's perspective, I would hope 20% or something can get in there. Because I, I didn't go to the bubble. I can only imagine how strange that, that feels or that look when you walk in there. And there's a real live NBA game going on, and there's nobody in the stands. You know, I know the players got used to it in the bubble, but you know, going forward, you know, hopefully that could change. Yeah, if not, we'll have to give you a big foam finger, and you can be like the designated fan. You know, <laughs> like defense, and you know all that stuff. You can. Or maybe they'll do that again. Remember they had those uh, virtual fans. Maybe they'll do that again. 
Yeah, and we can get we can get you and me on there, <laughs> you know, with our clappers and everything. We can just right. go nuts. So, right, right, right. All right, man. Hopefully, whatever happens, hopefully everybody just stays safe. That's that's really all that matters more than anything. But you, uh, all right, good stuff, Dwayne. Thank you for joining me, man. And and uh, here's to you, JJ Barea, on an incredible career with the Mavs and and whatever happens next. You know, you're gonna be great at it. Um, okay. If you enjoyed that, well, first off, you can find Dwayne on Twitter at Dwayne Price, and you can find all of Dwayne's stuff at Mavs.com. He and Eddie are churning out a bunch of stuff every single day, uh, especially now that they're practicing, they're playing games, like everything is happening, and so you need to you need to stay plugged into to what's going on with the team. So keep it locked on Mavs.com, and also we are making stuff every day on Mavs Daily as well. He is Dwayne. I'm Bobby. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and review, and share with your friends and your enemies. Share with all your Bucks fans. And the Dallas is coming for them. It's preseason, but they're going down nonetheless. Uh, and uh, we will uh, we will see you next week on Maps Daily.